Welcome to Drinks at Work by Boothby with Sam Bygrave. That's me. Today, I'm talking to Jane Ryan, a writer and content creator working in the world of drinks. She's someone with some valuable insight into how you might go about building a career, making content about drinks, and how to get it seen across the social media platform world that we live in today. Jane started out as a drinks journal. She studied journalism at university in the UK before landing a plum role at Difford's Guide, which quickly saw her visiting distilleries in Scotland and France. She's also worked both behind the bar and on the floor, and she's been recognized for her writing with nominations at Tales of the Cocktail Spirited Awards. After a stint in the consumer media world at Concrete Playground in Sydney, she launched Difference Guide Australia in 2019, and in recent years has grown that brand here through her use of social media, creating content for both TikTok and Instagram, and reaping millions of video views in the process. I've long been a fan of Jane's work, and in this chat, she demystifies a little about what kind of content works on TikTok and Instagram, how she grew that audience, and she also talks about how you might break into the drinks media world today. It's a good one. So here's my chat with Jane Ryan. Jane Ryan, thanks for joining me on Drinks at Work by Boothby. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Wonderful. Uh, so I know you from your uh, writing at Difford's Guide. Uh, you've been writing about drinks and bars and bartenders for quite some time now. Probably, I think, about the same length of time I have been. Yeah, about 10 years. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, what your role at Difford's Guide entails? And I understand you've just started a new role, but we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Difference Guide in Australia basically just oversee everything. Um, so that can be anything from creating <laughs> content, um, definitely videos. That's a really big thing for us now. We, we definitely see a lot more traction and views and engagement in that world. But it also can be little things like sourcing recipes from Australia, um, taking that to the rest of the world, getting great Australian products over to the UK for Simon to taste so that it's up on the site uh, and just trying to really hero everything that's going on here in the drinks world so that anyone maybe externally as well in the US and the UK can can see what we've got going on. And can, for people who maybe are not aware of Divots Guide, I'm pretty sure most people listening to this would know what it is, but for that minor percentage of people who don't know what it is, can you tell us what Difford's Guide is all about? Yeah, definitely. It's basically like a Wikipedia of booze these days. So years and years ago, it used to be a bartender <laughs> magazine, um, and that has definitely evolved mm. as the years have gone on. It's over 20 years old now, um, and these days it's much more consumer-facing, and that just kind of happened really naturally because it became a place where bartenders would submit recipes, and this big, huge recipe database evolved over like years and years. And so now when you Google, like, I don't know, how to make a Tommy's Margaret reader, um, Difference Guide comes up and that's much more now what consumers are Googling. I, I think most bartenders hopefully aren't having to Google that on a Saturday night. Um, so just naturally it kind of came that way. And then there's all these like entries on like, what is vodka? What is rum? Just like kind of the basics of, of um, the alcohol world. Yeah. It's kind of like an encyclopedia basically. Yeah, definitely. And Simon uses that word a lot to yeah. describe his website. That's Simon Diffitt. He's the, He's the, the founder. founder the yeah. guy. I say he wanted to call it Source Guide. Um, so that was, it was never his intention to name it after himself, but he checked in America and that was already, um, someone had like taken the name. So it was a really last minute thing to stick his name on it. And it's obviously just sort of become his, his baby for the rest of his life. <laughs> well, it's definitely stuck now. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so how did, <laughs> how, how did you get into uh, the writing side of things? I mean, you, you've also been a bartender yourself as well, yeah? Um, I was more a cocktail waitress. So I have done a little bit of bartending, yeah. but my role in the drinks industry was always waitressing. But I was a journalist student and I got this email one day through my university in the UK that was like, um, you know, seeking a junior writer, you have to be able to travel. 
And I was like, oh my God, brilliant. Mm. I would absolutely love to travel for work. Yes, um, yeah. And it just so happened I was working in like really shitty bars in London. So I had a basic understanding of like, I mean, we were serving cocktails while I was working things called like Soho Love and stuff. And it was just full of juice. But I, I knew how to make one. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds delicious. <laughs> I mean, in hindsight, it probably wasn't, but yeah. <laughs> and so what was your, when you were in the UK working for Divots Guide, what was your beat? You were covering? Bar reviews. And then Simon and I were doing a lot of traveling to distilleries. So I think I joined the team and on like my first week, I was straight up into Scotland and we went around all the um, whiskey distilleries owned by Bacardi. And I was like there writing down like crazy notes in shorthand and writing up, I guess, like all that sort of really juicy information. And then we do like a week in Armagnac and we go around to every single Armagnac producer. Um, and then when I was back in London, it was bar reviews and bartender interviews. Right. Yeah. I'm very jealous of your uh, proximity to like Armagnac and Cognac in Scotland because I didn't get to do that until much later on. Yeah, I was, <laughs> um, that was like day one. <laughs> what made you want to go into journalism? I wanted to be a political reporter. I think I had like grand ideas of taking down governments um, and my first jobs were in <laughs> politics, but I hated it. Like I really, really didn't like the whole, like the lying side of things, trying to like get people to confess to stuff. Um, I much preferred the storytelling mm. in, involved in booze journalism. You know, you're never trying to push someone to, unless you're like, in Armagnac trying to make a distiller confess he uses Boise. Like, you know, is there caramel in this? Like, I mean, that's as hectic <laughs> as it's going to get, right? Like, it's just, it's a nice industry. <laughs> yeah, that's the investigative reporting function, right? Yeah, 100%. It's not for me. <laughs> and so just quickly, so, but you've also now just started a new role at Liquid Ideas. You've gone to maybe, I guess I would call it like the dark side of the industry with PR and marketing and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I what's, what's your role there? I won't be doing PR. <laughs> so you probably, oh, I mean, I don't know. I don't think you'll be receiving okay. emails from me being like, hey, this gin has won a medal. <laughs> uh, hopefully not. I'm doing content creation. So I'm much more interested in like, I guess, how brands are communicating to people, but organically. Um, so this isn't something that's mm. sort of going to be like a, a PR or more like how does a vodka talk to its people who are engaged on its Instagram, on its TikTok, that kind of stuff. Difference Guide in Australia, what, what year did that start? Was it like 2017 or No, or 2019. End of. 2019. Okay, yeah. right. Well, it feels like a lot longer. Yeah. There you go. Um, how did that come about? Because was that just because you were moving back to Australia or did you move back to Australia for that? Um, no, I actually joined Concrete Playground when I first got back to Australia after I did a little bit of work in a bookshop because I was like, mm. what am I going to do? Um, which I loved. I, um, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I, yeah, I joined Concrete Playground, so mainstream media, I guess, lifestyle. And then I got a call mm. from Simon saying they had some people in Australia who were interested in supporting it over here. I mean, obviously, like, you know, I needed a paycheck mm. um, and I... I'm not the type of person to, I mean, you're very brave. I'm not that. I, I like a regular monthly <laughs> income and I don't like to hustle for like- Oh, a, I like sales. it too. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we all do. Yeah. So I, I was lucky that he had someone over here who was willing to put some like uh, cash behind it to, to get me going. Um, and that came, right. that was like an investor guy called Gary who, yeah, very boring. But th that's why I joined. Um, what was it like getting that thing off the ground over here? Because- I mean, bartenders here were aware of it, um, but I guess the consumer side of things is a big focus for difference as well. How did you go about getting that established and getting it out there? I mean, now you've got like a, an affiliation deal with Dan Murphy's from the looks of things. Yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't get any money from that. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was long. It was, yeah, it was long. It was like, it, do you know what? It was really interesting, I think, based on more like where I was at in my life. Because when I was doing 
journalism in the UK, I was willing to work in bars on the side to have like that insider knowledge, but I'm a little bit too old for that now. Like I can't Mm. do more than one job. I I can't stay up to like 3am on a Friday working after a full day's work. I used to be able to do that. So it meant that it almost naturally became more consumer because I don't feel like I have that industry insight anymore, but I am able to offer consumers my knowledge of cocktails. Right. So it was almost like naturally led by where I was at. Um, and then we already had like a base of, I'd say like 20 to 30,000, um, users on the site month by month, just because they were Googling how to make, like I said, a Tommy's margarita on a Saturday night. And it was just kind of building that and giving them more than just the recipe. So that became all about the socials. Um, and just want to find things that maybe like, I mean, there's been some things that resonated that I guess wouldn't fit in a bartender world, but things like shambord cocktails, man, like people fucking love that. You do like a five easy shambord cocktails to make and consumers like, yes, I would love to do that with my mates. And it's like, great. Well, there you go. That's some easy content for you. Yeah. I, re- I remember when I was at Bartender Mag uh, regularly, like for years, one of the best stories that we ever had performing on Google was like five Kraken drinks to make. Yeah. And it just, it went nuts, but bartenders didn't really care. No, no, not at all. <laughs> but then like, that's the difference of talking yeah. to one versus the other, right? Like consumers, mm. I, some of them are geeky, but they almost get to the point where they're too geeky and you can't even tell them anything because they're like so deeply rooted in trying to find out about like micro scotch distilleries. And I, to be honest, don't have a lot of interest talking to those people. I don't think they need me. <laughs> but someone who's just at home and wants to make a few <laughs> cheeky drinks, like, yeah, sure. Like, let's have a party. Has the social has social media been a big thing in growing that awareness of difference in Australia for you? Yeah, it has for me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm leading towards the conversation about TikTok, which is Definitely. completely foreign to me, but something that you seem to have had some amazing success with. Yeah. So social media for like the UK guys with Difference Guide isn't a big thing. Like they really love the traffic on the website. They love growing that brand. But I guess I'm a younger generation and Mm. I think that a lot of people don't want to leave the platforms they're on. So someone wants to use TikTok, someone wants to use Instagram and they don't necessarily want to leave that platform. So you have to talk to them where they are. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to talk to them, Mm. right? Um, And I definitely started playing around with what works for me. I'm not an Instagram expert. I I find it quite hard to do the whole like curated feeds. I'm a bit messy that way. I think that's why TikTok may be more naturally aligned with me because you can it's not about being beautiful or perfect as Instagram is. Instagram's very polished, right? You've got yeah. to have like a really nice photo. Whereas TikTok's like just messy people in their homes, you know, just doing stuff, right? And everyone's like, cool, I want to watch this. And and on TikTok as well, yeah. you can you can talk to anyone, but Instagram seems to be like, I only want to talk to people I know. And it's like a very, that's the big difference there. Right. So I think you could have a lot more cut through right. with someone okay. unknown. How, how did you get started on TikTok? Because I mean, I, I think... I think I recall seeing some of your, your videos, I mean, mostly on Instagram. The, the videos were a bit more polished to, to begin with, but then I started seeing that more TikTok content come through. Was there a point when you were like, oh, actually, hang on, we don't need to be that polished. We can do it in this more intimate kind of casual way. How did that come about? How did you discover that? Yeah, I think it was just trial and error. So I downloaded TikTok because I'd heard that you weren't meant to be on it if you were over 25. And I was like, well, hold on, <laughs> let's just see what this is about. And I got really addicted really fast. Um, and then I was like, I could try right. this, right? What no, was it about that that got you addicted? I think it's like that you can just access so many different styles of content and there's a certain style that would really get me. So like, I really, I don't, I, I don't gravitate so much towards drink stuff, to be honest, because 
I already know how to do that. So I don't need to watch another bartender somewhere unless they're yeah. like really kooky. But I really enjoy like the, I guess like more aspirational, like girls doing like how to eat this in a day or here's some weights to lift. And I'm like, oh, should I be doing that? Like it really gets me in. Um, but I love it. So <laughs> just scrolling, I was like, well, yeah. what, what, what could I do? And I was like, well, I think we could do Diffid's here, but I didn't tell anyone. I certainly didn't tell Simon Diffid. I was like, I'll just do it and I'll apologize yeah. later if it, goes really bad um and I started not having me in it so I started just doing drinks and then I just I think I was like it's not engaging enough is it because like you kind of just watching a drink we had a few do well though um and then I tried one with mm. me in it where I told this story about um this girl who used to come into Satan's Whiskers in London and it just blew up like I think it's like over 2.5 million views now um, and it's just, wow. it's a twinkle and it's insane. Yeah. Like it's insane, but it's just, there was something about the story, seeing a person and a three ingredient drink. It was like the trifecta of what makes a good video for a cocktail right. on TikTok. And so what are, in terms of numbers, what are, what are the numbers that you guys have on TikTok? What are like, I mean, follower wise, and, and then also I guess some of the views you can get. Yeah. So followers, we have about 270,000 now. We're definitely not the biggest drinks out there though. There's a right. girl called Caitlin who's in Canada. She's an ex-world class winner. She's got like 330,000. There's a guy in America who's got like 1.2 right. million. Um, he's very cheeky. Like he's fun. He's, he really like, you, you feel like you're sitting at a bar with a really cheeky bartender in his video. So I, I understand why people love it. <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, you, yeah, I mean, you can get millions of views. You can also do a video and get like 10,000 for us. That's like a small view, but they're normally the more geeky cocktails yeah. I do. And I still enjoy those videos. I still enjoy the people who engage in them. Like, yeah, I, I love, I love all aspects of it. Yeah. Right. And so, but do you, do you have like a, is there a sort of formula that you use or is it, uh, I mean, you must have narrowed down a little bit more about what works and you yeah. know, just sort of yeah. as trial and error anymore. Or? So shorter videos yeah. do better, which sucks because obviously cocktails can take some time and I love the stories behind them. <laughs> so like when you're trying to condense mm. under a minute is amazing. I normally am under two minutes. Like it's not a good sign if it's going over two right. minutes for me. Um, and then yeah, okay. yeah, the hook. So like the thing you say within the first three seconds, you got to get someone in in that moment. So normally easy, three ingredients, right. like I've got the best story to tell you, don't scroll away. Like, you know, sort of, it, it sounds like you're pleading, but you've got to get someone to stay beyond that three second mark. Yeah. But I mean, that's classic journalism anyway, right? You always had a lead where you had to hook a reader in to yeah. get them to read the rest of the story. Uh, and I really do think that yeah. having that background helps me. And I think it would help you. I think natural storytellers, right? Like you, you know how to, you remember yeah. that when I was at journalism school, they'd always teach you how to write, especially for radio as well, actually. So I think this kind of crosses into the TikTok space, but they would say, if you were going to the pub and you saw your mate and you had a story, like what's the first thing you tell them? And that's got to be the first, that's got to be the yeah. headline, right? So you wouldn't be like, oh, I'm, right, I was on the good. road today and I saw this car. You'd be like, I just saw a car crash. Like, you know. Let me tell you what happened. Yeah. 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 Um, how, how does it, how, how does it sort of then, um, translate to Instagram then what's I mean you were saying that it's, it's more polished on Instagram but are you still sort of getting the big kind of views there because Instagram or Facebook are terrified of TikTok so they're you know going to become little TikTok clones pretty quickly yeah so we do do reels on Instagram but I do them very differently I try to keep them under 30 seconds I don't have my head in it because I right. cannot like it's getting to the point where it's like what would how do they reply? Like, I'm not here forever. Like, what do they do? So with Instagram, I was quite tactful in thinking, let's not 
And sometimes people comment and are like, who is this person? Show us her head. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> leave me alone. Um, I've had enough. <laughs> Just a set of hands. Yeah. That's all she is. Seriously. Um, but those, because, because I speed it up. So I, I just make the cocktail front on deadpan in front of the camera and I put it at like two speed, yeah. um, put a quirky song over it. And it's just meant to be like super instructional. That's it. No frills, no story. Yeah. And, and so what, what are the kind of numbers that you can pull on Instagram then? I think for us, we mostly see around 4,000, but we have seen some go up to like 20,000. And we don't have that many followers on Instagram. Yeah. We're like sitting at yeah. 5,000. But pe- people don't want to do anything other than just sit back and watch. And like I've, that killed me originally knowing that because I'm a writer and I want to, I want to write mm. essays at people and I expect them to sit down and bloody read it. And they don't. <laughs> So it's well, they're good essays too. I yeah, wrote quite a few. They're excellent. Thank you. Like, uh, yeah, but it's just it's, it's a dying art form, and the reality is that. Mm. But I also understand because I don't want to sit down and read a lot. Like, I read books, but I I genuinely don't sit down and read everything the internet wrote yesterday. So I get it. Like, I, I do yeah. love lying like, in bed watching. It's impossible. Videos. Yeah. How did how did uh, Simon take to this thing? Because he's an old, old school guy as well. He's a print magazine guy. Yeah. How did he take to the world of TikTok and, and, and Instagram? I think he thinks it's like a funny hobby that Jane's picked up. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Yeah, he's very indulgent to me. Like I met Simon when I was twenty two, straight out of uni, and like. So he's, he, yeah. he's been around in my life for a while and he's always very lovely to me, but I think he thinks most of the things I do are hobbies and they're distracting from yeah. what Diffus Guide is sort of. <laughs> anyway, he would, he would say the same thing. But, and the thing is TikTok doesn't like drive huge amounts of traffic, but it does build awareness. Right. So, and I think maybe yeah. I see more value in that than he does, which is fine. Yeah, well, I mean, I definitely see the clips. Um, I definitely see that, like, if I'm scrolling through the Discover thing on Instagram, I will see your stuff pop up. And I mean, that says something about the awareness that's out there of the brand. Yeah, yeah. And I think it helps, you know, in terms of, like, he's, he's got his own jigger, right? And I use it in every video. And then people ask, oh, where's that jigger? And it's like, if you're in the UK and the US, it's £4.50. £4. Like, you can go buy it. And so, like, little things like that yeah. that I'm like, that does help. Yeah, I have noticed the jigger getting pushed a lot. There's got to be some decent margin on that, right? Oh, uh, I mean, do you know what though? It's is you can measure 1.25 mil. It's quite useful. <laughs> it's useful for someone I'm like not me. Having a go, just, no, no, because uh, yeah. like I've never, never professionally bartended yeah. with any like sense of actually doing like speed tests or anything like that. So I'm not good with jiggers that mm. are like just say 30 mil. I'm like, well, where's the 15 mil mark? Where's the 10 mil mark? So I do, I do gotcha. get what he's done. It's for people. It's for idiots like me who don't have yeah. any idea of what they're doing. <laughs> Your, your path, you had a bit of bar experience, but you had the journalism experience. Mm. Where do you think for people who might be interested in getting into communicating about drinks and bars and that sort of stuff, where do you think the avenues are for them today to get into it? How would they go about it? Is it like a social media kind of first kind of direction or mm. what do you reckon? I think bars, you need to be in bars. Like I really do. I think, I think you yeah. need to know how to serve people. And I know I'm not serving someone when I'm doing a TikTok, but I also like, I loved hosting when I was a cocktail waitress. Like that was, I mean, just such a joy yeah. of making sure everyone was having a lovely time that I could communicate about the drinks in a way that was like informative, but didn't encroach on the night, was fun. Um, recommending drinks was like my favorite thing, picking what someone would love. Like I still miss that element of bar work. I really do. And I think that right. you need to have that. You need to, you need to know like, also, you just need to know about drinks, like good drinks. What makes a good drink? Like that's super important. And I don't think you're going to find that out in your kitchen. Should they be trying to 
Should they do a journalism degree today? Do you think that's still useful? Mm, no, not not really, to be honest. Like, I don't think I remember one thing for my degree. I think most people would say that, though. Like, I, don't, I think that's <laughs> Anyone who's done one says the same thing. Yeah. I would love to yeah. go back to uni and study something useless. <laughs> well, like, I'd love to do, like, a history of, like, the Aztecs yeah. or something. But, God, don't do a practical degree. Yeah. But I think, too, like, you know, there's these um, sort of bartender schools that are out there and – I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever met a bartender who's at the top of their game who first started in bartender school, you know? No, you just because- just get a job and just start doing it. Yeah, but the, the thing about bartender school is it, it puts an emphasis on the drinks. And I'm not saying that drinks aren't important, but that's like, like 10% of the role. I, you know, yeah. it's that whole thing of like, I, I can make drinks for myself and I can cook for myself. It's not why I go to restaurants and bars. Obviously, it's better and I love that it's better. <laughs> it should be better, but- it's all about the experience, yeah. right? What What do you think are the dif- the big differences you need to know that when you're talking to a trader audience, like a bartending audience, uh, as opposed to a consumer audience? I think the trader are a lot more susceptible to being sorry. They're much more aware if they're being sold to. So I I right. think like I probably wouldn't ever accept a, even like a paid thing to try and like shove I don't know like a really bad liqueur or syrup down the trade's throat. Like I just. It's not, it's not going to go, no. is it? Um, I yeah, do, I've said no before. Yeah. yeah it's I just not you, worth it. You need to know when to say no in this. In this. Um, I think with the trade, I think it just needs to be like a level of presumed knowledge, obviously, um, like which is hard mm. because I don't want to alienate people who are just starting out. And I also think like it's just it's different. Like so I don't think bartenders need to be told maybe necessarily recipes, techniques perhaps, but only if they're like really new and interesting. But it's more – I think more about the storytelling with the trade in a good way, actually. I would be much more comfortable doing yeah. like a nice story for the trade as opposed to consumers. I mean, do you mean that, <clears throat> that storytelling in the way that sort of uh, the brands have their nice marketing backstories and everything? Or No, more people. How, how do you mean storytelling? More people, I think. I think mm. the trade is much more interested in knowing about each other. And if you've got like a, or a new venue or something, bars and people. I think that's what like the trade would be the most interested in. I think they know how to find out information about brands. I, I do think you can offer value there though. Yeah. Like there's never anything wrong with, with telling a story about a brand, but it just, it, it, you know, you can't be like, this is the world's only green spirit. Like every brand says they're the only carbon neutral spirit in the world. I'm like, you can't all be the only one. Like, and, the, and the trade will see through that, right? The trade are like, obviously not. But if you've actually got some facts to tell them. Yeah. Well, I mean, as I, as I mentioned to you before we started recording, I just received an embargoed press release for a non-alcoholic seltzer, which just sort of darkened my day completely. Yeah. I mean, how are you going to say that to the trade? Hey, guys, guess what? People are now not drinking. And not only they're not drinking, they're drinking RTDs at home. <laughs> they have no alcohol in them. It's like yeah. your role. Well, they're drink- <laughs> yeah. They're, they're drinking soda water. Yeah. At home. <laughs> what do you think makes a great consumer story then? What are the things that they're looking for? Um, I think consumers are looking for something they can tell someone else. I always believe this, like that idea of sitting around a dinner table at a a party and they're like, oh, but no, I know, I know about this gin. You won't have heard of it. And here's a really cool fact. Everyone likes to be that person, right? So if you can try and act like they're going to have insider knowledge, I think that always helps with the consumer. Yeah. What do you look for in a great bar? Because you, I mean, you get out to a few bars, you travel a bit. You've had, you know, experience in some of the great bars in London and, and around the world. What is it for you that makes a great bar? Definitely the staff, which is like such a hospo answer, I know. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I do know that. But I, I want to feel like I'm super welcome. It's that like, it's that hospitable thing, right? Like that's, that makes me feel 
Just mm. And I think there is a key to like a good design as well, though. Like when I was working at Satan's, which I still think is for me the best bar, even though I worked there, there's something about the way it's structured. It's a great so, bar. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like you can sit at the bar or sit at a table and be seen by the staff in such a way that you're never forgotten. And I think that's super important. Yeah. I feel like it was, that was my favorite part about working there was I could stand in the middle of the room and look around and see everyone and know where they're at and know what they're up to. Um, not in a creepy like police state way, mm. in a like, oh, you need some more drinks. <laughs> Let me get you a shot. And then I, I would like to ask you too, uh, what are your maybe top two, three bars in, in Australia at the moment? Which ones are the ones that you really love and, and why? Um, that's a really good question. I feel like it it's changed a little bit in the last um, last little bit. I, I definitely maybe am more into like kind of like a moody. I do love like a Shady Pines kind of vibe. Uh, I used to work around the corner from there and I just love kind of like bowling down those stairs and, and reaching for something easy and classic. <laughs> I really, I really love that. I'm yeah. also love um, Cobbler Bar in Brisbane. I just, I don't know what it is about that place. Whenever I'm oh, in Brisbane, I just want to go sit it's there. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really into that. Um, and then I do like, I know it's more whiny, but Bar Liberty for me um, down in Melbourne. I'm very happy to sit there oh, and yeah. eat snacks and just drink whatever, whatever's going. It's yeah, quite different, quite different there, venues, right? but. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, and then, okay, last question for you, Jane Ryan. Um, the move to Liquid Ideas and to that side of, I guess, the media business. What's, what's interesting for you to do that? What, what, what's uh, sparking the move? I think I want to like work with some like big budgets and challenges, right? So I really enjoy my job, but 10 years of telling people how to make a cocktail, where do you go from that? And like, it's, yeah. you, you can love your job so much, but want growth and challenges. And I really want someone to come to me with like a, and it's not just booze there as well. Like we've, we're going to work with a condom brand, right? So like, Hey, how do you communicate this? I'm like, yeah, right. oh, wow. How, how interesting. Like, that's so good. I, I really want to to have that challenge thrown at me and to use my skills in a way that's just out of my depth for sure. I want to feel like I'm drowning for a bit because yeah. I've been, I feel like you can cruise for a bit and then you need to drown for a bit. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. I, I like talking shop with you whenever we get to catch up. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it too. Thank you, Jane Ryan, for joining me. And thank you to you for listening. As always, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please give it a rating on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you get yours. And if you've got some thoughts on this episode you'd like to share, my email is sam at boothby.com.au. It would be great to hear from you. Until next week, this has been Drinks at Work by Boothby.